Hello and welcome back to Opinionated Science, the podcast from Technology Networks. I'm Lucy, the scientific content producer here at Technology Networks, and today's episode is a crossover with our sister site, Analytical Cannabis, or AC. Analytical Cannabis is focused on the scientific side of cannabis research, and today we're taking a look at how to select the right instruments for potency testing. As it's available in numerous forms, cannabis can be a really challenging product to analyse. It consists of hundreds of different compounds, some with known or suspected psychoactive effects, and it can be consumed via smoking, through oils, or even in food products. At its core, the purpose of potency testing is to demonstrate compliance, accurately label products, and ultimately to obtain a certificate of authenticity from an accredited third-party laboratory. Beyond the basics, though, Potency measuring systems help you to have data at your fingertips, which leads to fewer surprises in cultivation and production. So how do you select the right instruments for potency testing? Because choosing the right equipment for analysis for cannabinoids in cannabis and hemp products can be overwhelming with the range of testing equipment available. It's really difficult to know where to start. So in this podcast, we speak with Ben Southwell, an associate professor at Lake Superior State University, to break through the noise and to get a much clearer idea of how exactly you can figure out which instruments are best for you. You're about to hear our interview with Ben in full. Hi, Ben. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful today. Thank you for asking. Perfect. Thanks so much for joining me here today to talk about how we can select the right instruments for potency testing. So... Cannabis contains over 100 cannabinoids, of which THC, CBD, and CBN are often considered to be the most important, or at least when it comes to cannabinoid profiling. Can you give a more in-depth description of potency analysis and why it's so important to test? Of course, potency is is really kind of what every consumer, you know, end user of these products is really looking for. So when they go to, to purchase something, they're going to look to see you know, what it contains, what cannabinoids really. And, and they may not even understand what that profile really means, but they're looking in, you know, in total for how much THC or CBD or CBN you know, is present. So as you mentioned, those are kind of the, the big names for that. And it isn't uh, the only place uh, that's out there. So meaning that as clients are looking for these, uh, cannabis profiling is a growing industry. Uh, meaning that not only growers are looking at this, but also uh, end producers, extractors, um, and then even again, regulatory bodies. So having a, a broad understanding of what potency analysis is, is really important from an end client standpoint. So if you take a look at, at, at what that really means, I've thrown that word out a couple of times now, you know, cannabinoid profiling or analysis, it's really looking to see what types of, you know, cannabinoids are present in your samples and what the sample means can mean to different things to different end users. And you mentioned, I think, over 100 cannabinoids. Uh, actually, I think we're pushing 120 ones are being uh, discovered each year. So new oh, publications wow. are coming out. So that is a, a thing that continues to evolve with the industry. Why it ends up being very important to the end user uh, relates to what their use ends up being. So if you're especially looking for as, as states and other uh, jurisdictions roll out medicinal programs and, and following maybe with recreational you know, cannabis use programs, uh, end users are really looking for dosing information. What, what is the percentage of cannabinoids to, to have some causative effect in, in their mind? So making sure that they understand what doses is present um, is really important to make sure that they get the effects that they think they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And how do you test potency and what are the main kind of challenges that you'll come up against? When you go to begin testing potency, uh, 
It really begins with what your sample looks like, what your matrix, uh, different uh, you know, groups call things different words, but again, whatever product you're testing. And each of those has to have some extraction technique. So if you're working on a flower sample, for instance, there is some you know, extraction process to remove the cannabinoids from it for analysis. Uh, that can be very different than the processes you would normally use for, let's say, if you have uh, an edible, like a piece of cake, for instance, uh, mm -hmm. so a cannabis edible. And making sure that you can remove those cannabinoids for analysis is really one of the, the biggest challenges I see for labs as they're doing potency analysis. So making sure that process is, is well-defined and consistent uh, is very important. Once you begin and you've got your analytes out of whatever your sample is, uh, doing some form of analysis is important and required. So uh, how you test for potency is going to depend on which jurisdiction you're, you're involved in, uh, meaning what your state or municipality may require. Um, there's a couple predominant techniques that are out there, but in general, you're going to use some form of uh, chromatography tied to some form of a, uh, an analytical detector that's going to give you a, a reported value. Uh, what those look like can vary widely, those values, meaning from a, a total THC or a total CBD value all the way up through individual cannabinoid you know, concentrations. And, and, and that can, again, vary quite widely across uh, your different labs that are out there. Um, as the industry continues to evolve, some of the biggest issues they face is, is that kind of lack of standardization across those different jurisdictions. So each state has a different uh, testing profile that's out there for potency, meaning not everyone is doing it the same way. Not everyone is using the same technology. Um, they're not requiring the same sampling frequencies. They're not requiring analytes, you know, the same specific cannabinoids to be analyzed for. And that creates a lot of confusion, not only for the labs that are doing work, but also for, again, the end user. So if you're you know, purchasing product in, in one locality and you go to a different locality, the, the certificates of analysis may not look the same. In fact, most likely they won't look the same. Uh, and the last kind of point to think about a main challenge when you're doing potency analysis is kind of a lack of, of analytical standards. So if, if anyone's you know, been in this industry or any other industry for, and you're doing compliance testing, usually there's some standard you're going to compare your samples values to. Yeah. Um, and in, in the cannabis world, that's just kind of hard to find right now. So there are a few companies that produce some produce standards, but those standards are not uh, consistent and not broadly verified. And, and there's been several, uh, you know, kind of white paper level publications that have shown that uh, there is definite variation in that, and that can have broad impacts on what those reported potency values could be. Mm -hmm. And how many samples would you expect an average startup cannabis lab to analyze per month? Ooh, that is an excellent question. <laughs> and the, the uh, kind of the answer to that, depending on what part of this world you live in, um, uh, the default lab answer is going to be as many as possible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that, that is kind of a, a bit of a loaded question. So uh, this industry, again, is kind of um, evolving quickly and, and expanding. So, you know, as, as new states come online with, you know, cannabis uh, programs for, for medicinal and recreational use, new startup labs are kind of following them along. Uh, so there are a lot of new people and new faces doing compliance testing. And everyone does kind of want to know how much 
how many samples? What's our load going to be? How fast is our rate of return mm -hmm. on our investment going to be? Um, and that is a really hard thing to predict. And what we're kind of starting to see, and, and we have seen a little bit over the last couple of years, is a lot of labs made significant investments in you know, technology and, and analysis equipment and hadn't really reached out to a client base. So uh, I always kind of encourage uh, people when I talk to them as you're starting up your lab to kind of have an idea of who you're going to work for in mind. Um, and that's maybe a little backwards from how most other industries um, you know, approach compliance testing. But for this, it's, it's kind of important because it, it can be a significant uh, technology investment for, for cost and staffing. Um, and if you don't understand who's you know, going to be your client, you may end up with, with no samples on your startup day and your startup <laughs> yeah. month. Um, and, and that is not a place that any you know, investor or lab manager really wants to be at. Mm -hmm. So then I guess looking towards that, what are the key sort of requirements in your mind for cannabis testing instruments in general? So cannabis testing instrumentation can vary uh, widely. Uh, anything from uh, like uh, there's strip kits available in certain cases, ELISA testing equipment. Uh, there's other technologies that are more field-based deployable all the way up through more modern analytical instrumentation. And when you start talking about your cannabis testing instrumentation, I think it's really important to understand what your data output goals are mm -hmm. uh, and to, to provide that data for. If you're working in uh, smaller labs, being servicing growing operations, maybe uh, you know, having a, the, the best and brightest uh, liquid chromatograph with you know, a tandem mass spectrometer isn't really what you need in that regard. So really when, when labs and people are looking at this, I always kind of look for reliability, sensitivity, and reproducibility. Those are my big three. Mm -hmm. uh, testing parameters for, for most any instrumentation. And I think from a, a potency standpoint, normally this is a relatively straightforward process. Uh, many manufacturers do offer instruments that meet those three criteria, but there is a pretty wide variation uh, out there. So if, if you go look um, and understand uh, not only what different manufacturers are producing, um, but what they're telling you it's capable of, but one is, as labs and other people start to look at this technology, I think it's kind of important that they reach out to other end users. And, and if a manufacturer is not willing to provide you the information, you know, and the ability to kind of talk to other people that are doing this, that kind of sends up a little bit of a red flag for me um, as far as, you know, kind of keeping that information quiet. Uh, the other side of this ends up being kind of related to uh, what you're familiar with. So if you're familiar with an instrumentation platform, uh, let's say if you're from Agilent Technologies, for instance, uh, you may want to then continue with their platforms moving forward with other potency analysis or other different analyses, just to make sure that the technology is familiar to your lab staff. Um, and that oftentimes ends up being, I think, more important um, than cost in the end, because if mm -hmm. you have to spend a lot of time you know, reinvesting training into new yeah. technology platforms that are different, it really can be a problem and really burdensome on a lab. That makes a lot of sense. And I guess following on from that, startup labs, growers and extractors have to perform many tests using various reliable instruments, which produce repeatable results. Um, how do you determine which instruments are best for your setup? And do you have any advice for selecting them? So I, I was really encouraged to kind of hear you, you talk about this a, a little bit. I think this question doesn't get maybe asked enough for people uh, do not invest enough time into into what this really means. And what I see it as is kind of the fundamental question is, is what data are you trying to produce? 
So if you're trying to produce uh, highly sensitive data that has a, you know, an enormous number of significant figures, there are technology platforms available for that. If you're trying to figure out whether your um, flower sample in the field and some grow operation is performing uh, and producing you know, CBD, for instance, there is a, a technology platform available for that. And the level of, of cost for those and the level of uh, staff training and, and maintenance and operation uh, vary widely. So really understanding you know, the appropriateness of the, the technique that you're trying to, to develop, uh, I think is really fundamental to, to move this question forward. And that then has ramifications and, and fallout related to all those things we just mentioned. Again, that, that changes the staffing needs, the initial startup costs, the ongoing uh, operational costs, all, all of those things change once you kind of uh, iron out where, where your lab or where your measurement needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, the other side of that is kind of the appropriateness of what you're trying to measure. So again, there are certain uh, municipalities, let's say if, if you're working from a cannabis standpoint, maybe more in the, the hemp side of that world, uh, where maybe your jurisdiction or your Department of Agriculture is only really looking for something more like a, a total THC or a total CBD analysis. Uh, so, so there's no uh, specification or, or differentiation of various cannabinoids. It's more of, a, again, this, this holistic approach. Well, there are techniques that are available for that. Um, so if you start looking for something like that, maybe you're looking for just a, a liquid chromatograph or a, a gas chromatograph or, you know, some technology platform there. Um, but if you're looking for ultra uh, sensitive, you know, with, with very low concentration limits for some of these parameters, maybe you need a, a more advanced setup. So making sure, again, you understand the, the, the type of data you're, you're going to produce uh, in the end is very important. And then the other part, when you go look at having figured out those first couple of things we've talked about is going to be related to um, kind of the cost and skills required. And that ends up being something that uh, as you're looking for equipment and talking to instrument manufacturers ends up oftentimes being a secondary component. Um, I know that the CFOs and everyone are probably giving me dirty looks right now, you know, about the cost <laughs> comment, but uh, it ends up kind of being, you know, what, what type of, of data are you trying to generate and, and how much is it going to cost to, to get that data? Yeah. So um it isn't something that I think as, as people are looking at always be viewed as the, the highest cost instrument is always better or the lowest cost instrument is, is, is always better. Uh, it really does relate to, you know, your specific lab analysis uh, scenario and taking a look at what that is. Um, the, the second part of that is, you know, the skill set. And I've mentioned that a few times. And, and oftentimes that is something that uh, especially in this industry, is, is hard to, to quantify because in general, there isn't a huge population of people that have been trained in, in cannabis analytics. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only a handful of you know, schools that are doing programs like that now, and they're all very new. So those graduates are, are barely on the market um, and, and looking for that. So if you hire people in, making sure you have someone that can perform the analysis that your lab is interested in you know, and have the skills necessary to do your particular component can be um, difficult and may come at a cost premium in some cases. So making sure that you understand that if you buy the most inexpensive instrument, you may need a very expensive staff member to operate it. So keeping that in mind, I think is very important for startup labs. And then gas chromatography and high performance liquid chromatography are both really powerful techniques used for cannabis potency testing. Could you maybe explain what they're used for and how do you know which one is best to use? Oh, what is best to use? Uh, so as an academic, my answers oftentimes revolve around it depends. Um, yeah. And I almost never speak in absolutes. And this is definitely a question, I think, that has those types of answers, you know, coming uh, coming out of it. Mm-hmm. So 
If you're looking for uh, cannabis analysis, the, the two techniques you mentioned, gas chromatography and, and liquid chromatography, are going to be kind of the industry gold standard techniques. Uh, they are on by um, percentage-wise encompass almost all of the cannabis potency analysis. So you're, you're going to end up with one of those. But they are different and they have uh, benefits and they have some drawbacks, each, each of those techniques. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking for, let's say, uh, gas chromatography, that is a, a very common technique. It, it's been around for a long time, has been used in many industries. It's a common, especially in ag analysis, uh, that shows up a lot uh, as a technique that is preferred there. Um, but it does have some issues. And one of the biggest issues is you can't actually look for the acidic form of any of the cannabinoids or at least it's very difficult to do. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing a, a GC style analysis and you're looking for like CBDA, uh, which is what the plant in general is going to produce, um, you, can, you have a hard time looking for that because the instrument is gonna actually take it through that decarboxylation step as part of the analysis and you're going, going to see CBD come out the other side. Um, so it does change the data set that you're looking for or that you're producing. And if, again, you're working on an ag program and you're only reporting total CBD, that may not matter. So it's a very reliable technique and in general has low operational costs um, and can work really well for that. Um, holistically though, I think the industry has moved toward and it continues to move toward um, some form of, of liquid chromatography as being the preferred technique for potency analysis. Yeah. And I think that's where it's going to stay now for, for some time as far as where we're going to be. So in that particular case, you're going to have gone through some extraction. You're going to put your sample into the instrument. It's going to separate out the components and you're going to be able to then you know, quantify and identify individual cannabinoids. So there is some benefits there and, and that would in include the ability for you to detect and determine those acidic forms against CBDA, THDA, th those types of things. So that adds a, a layer of uh, benefits that I think in many cases is one out and that's why it's, it's kind of gaining ground over the, the GC style analysis. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that is definitely you know, something to think about when you're looking at that. Um, additionally, when you start thinking about what is best to use, something I would encourage people to think about in labs especially is, is not only the analyses you're doing today. So, I mean, maybe total CBD or, you know, you need, you know, CBDA, you know, components or what you're required to do today, but where is going to happen tomorrow? And does the instrument yeah. you just purchased and, and kind of made significant investments in, because this is none of these things are cost nominal. Um, Will it be still useful then and for that and, and how to anticipate that? And, and I enjoy working, many manufacturers kind of have some forecasts out for that. So working with them and different vendors on that can be really useful and kind of keeping a, a, an eye on the industry and what's coming out. Because for instance, like the, the Delta 8 THC, um, mm -hmm. that's kind of all the, you know, all the rage right now. That wasn't even a thing about 18 months ago. Yeah. Uh, so people had never really even heard of that. So it is a, you know, these compliance labs and these uh, other product testing labs are really have to be very flexible and making sure that your equipment um, serves that, uh, I think offers a lot of benefits for them in the long term. And then I guess considering that, what do you think are the challenges associated with picking instruments for potency testing? The, I think that really the, the big challenges when you start to take a look at this are going to be related to under, again, understanding what your analysis needs are. Uh, so, so many of the things that we've just kind of talked about have uh, things from being the instrumental techniques uh, have wide ranging costs. Um, you can buy a, a liquid chromatograph unit with a you know visible detector, you as a detector for you know a relatively reasonable cost. 
Uh, and that may be all you need to do. If you decide maybe you need to move into you know, some mass spec based application, which in general is not what people are really doing right now, but it could be kind of the wave of the future. Uh, that's a significant price differential. So having an idea of what you're doing and where you're going, I, I think is important. Kind of the other side of this is going to be related to that uh, those three parameters we talked about before, and one of those is being reliability. Mm -hmm. So making sure that when you pick a vendor and a technology platform for this, that you're you're comfortable working with them, not only on the good days when the instrument's behaving and doing exactly what you hope <laughs> yeah. to do, providing data, but also on those bad days, which which do happen occasionally, even with with all of our manufacturers. Um, when it's not behaving and understanding, you know, how you work through that. And in many cases, potency is one of the platforms where um, a lab could easily have more than one instrument, maybe even on startup day. So uh, th their costs being, again, not, not horribly nominal, but not over, uh, overbearing. You may end up with multiple instruments just to or make sure you have the availability of some redundancy in that analysis. Um, so, because again, potency is a test that every single sample you're going to do in general is going to have done on it. So making sure that there is no downtime for, for your clients becomes, you know, kind of very important in that regard. So I think kind of the other side of that is uh, understanding the limitations of different manufacturers' instruments. Uh, I don't like to speak of, you know, kind of uh, ill of any particular manufacturer, but everyone in general says their instrument is the best one out there to do exactly what you need it to do. Um, and, and that from a, from a novice standpoint, if you're looking at these technology platforms, uh, can be a little complicated and a little overpowering the sales pitch in some regard. So making sure that when you're looking for different vendors for this technology, that you feel comfortable with them and that they have answered your questions. Uh, and not only on, yes, of course, our instrument can do that, but this is how it can do it. And this is how it will service your lab. And this is how we will support you. Um, I think is a very important component of really picking out an, an instrument manufacturer, a specific instrument that's really going to work well for you. And then um, our last question, as we're almost out of time, but where do you see potency testing in the future? And do you think it's fair to say that the wider picture of cannabinoid profiling beyond just THC and CBD is becoming so much more important? Uh, yes, is the, the short answer <laughs> to, to your question. So People started off, you know, and people have been using cannabis products for, for a very long time. Uh, there is a, a change in the perception of those products and, and more uh, broad adoption and a broader yeah. understanding of those. You know, th things are changing in the world, again, related to, to how people see these. So uh, traditionally, most people, again, were looking for just the THC and CBD content. That, that was what you were mm -hmm. looking for. Um, how much, how fast is it going to have an effect? And there is still a market of people that are interested in products with the highest THC content they can find. Uh, and I don't envision that particular uh, group of, of clients, you know, end users are, are going away anytime soon. But the, the broader user base, and, and as this develops, people are looking to see what these other cannabinoids can do. Um, and from a biochemistry standpoint, uh, it is a reasonable you know, forecast to say that uh, since they are similar in chemical structure, they seem to have similar interactions with the body, they're going to cause or have some causative effect. And understanding what those profiles can be, I think are really how different producers are going to uh, differentiate their products. Uh, we're moving quickly, especially with you know, genetic modification to uh, having a broad control over you know, total THC, total CBD content. So again, it's gonna be these more uh, trace cannabinoids that, that maybe won't be traced in the future that really differentiate products. 
So that, that's where the end user, I think, is going to approach this. From a lab standpoint, that's a, a great nightmarish problem to have. So <laughs> yeah. now you have, you know, you start off with, with two analytes and then maybe tomorrow you have 10 and then, you know, a year from now you have 100. Um, and making sure that your technology platform can keep up and keep pace with that um, and that the industry itself can keep pace with that. We talked a little bit about analytical standards before. I mean, we're get standards that have maybe about 11 cannabinoids in it. And that's about, about as big as it gets. Um, but what do we do about the other, you know, 89 that we know are out there? You, you can't find, you know, purchase commercially available standards. So how do you quantify those? And how does, if you have a client that has a product that has one of those in it, how, how do you approach that? And, and, and understanding from a lab standpoint, how you tell them that and discuss that and be upfront with that, I think it can be a challenging um, opportunity to, to really be, to be honest there. Mm -hmm. So I think there's an enormous future for this. I do think that labs are going to have um, a, a really, a, I look forward to it, a great time working with uh, different technology platforms um, to really develop and, and produce high quality data that really supports the industry as it goes forward. Perfect. I think that's a really interesting and kind of great way to uh, end the podcast. So thank you so much for joining us here today. I've really enjoyed having you on. Yes, thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us here today. And I hope you enjoyed that discussion between myself and Ben. And you now have a bit of a clearer idea on what potency testing is, why it's required and which testing equipment might be best for you to use. For more cannabis science coverage, head over to analyticalcannabis.com. And please make sure you like, share and subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. I hope you'll join us again next time.